Solace Church. Thank you so much for being here. I'm lead Pastor Matt Blair. If you're a guest visiting with us, thank you. Thank you, thank you for being a part of our service today. And of course, we want to welcome those watching online at solacechurch.com. Thank you for being a part uh, wherever you are in the world. So we're in week two of our series called Your Best Life Later. So last week here at Solace Church, in my estimation, probably the best message that has ever been preached at Solace Church. And I didn't preach it, all right? It was not from me. It was from Andy Stanley, and he talked about what it looks like to order our life around thinking about uh, 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 life beyond the instant gratification philosophy. He talked about that the fact that we have appetites, and God gave them, and they were good, but sin distorted them. And so this whole series is really going to be focused on how we can start ordering our life and, and reordering our life around God's intended purpose for our for uh, for our life in its completion. So we're gonna we're gonna take we're gonna take the next step in that journey today. As a matter of fact, if you're wondering like where are we going over the next few weeks, let me just share with you this morning what the next four weeks look like. We're gonna be talking about your best life later in terms of physical health, relational health, spiritual health, and then ultimately financial health. And financial health would also encompass more than just finances, and you'll see that as it unfolds in the next couple of weeks. So today, though, I want to focus exclusively on physical health. Now, this is going to feel a little bit incomplete this morning, Solace Church, because as I share with you about physical health, it's likely you're going to wander about other components of your life. But don't get ahead, all right? We're going to get there. We're going to talk about all the dimensions of our life. But let's laser focus in on what it means to to be physically healthy so that we can live out our best life ultimately. Remember what Andy Stanley said last week. And by the way, if you didn't hear it, you can go on YouTube, type in Andy Stanley bowl of stew in the search bar and you will find that message. Definitely listen to it if you didn't get a chance to hear it. But uh, Andy Stanley talked about the importance of thinking about your life five years from now. What does it look like? What has is, what is God up to? And one of the things he said is he said, there's no way that we could know fully all that God has for us. There's no way that you and I could fully understand all that God wants to order in our lives over the next four or five years. And so let's don't miss it, church. And it starts with physical health. And so I want to take you back in time for a couple of minutes. I want to take you back about 2,000 years to the first century. Because in the first century, there was a very interesting um, philosophy that existed that I think is very prevalent in our culture even today. This philosophy was very prevalent among Gentiles and even Gentile Christians. If you think about Jewish culture for a moment, the Jews, uh, you know, under the leadership of Moses and ultimately from God himself, received an instruction manual. It's called what we call the Old Testament. And they received all of this information about how to do life. And so they, man, they, they, they had so many details. Uh, this is how you worship. This is how you sacrifice. This is when you rest. This is when you work. I mean, every single bit of their life was ordered. Well, Gentiles really didn't have that kind of clarity. There was a pantheon of gods, and there was all kinds of different worship that existed. The Gentiles lived with a very interesting philosophy. At least it was more prevalent in Gentiles and certainly in Gentile believers. One church specifically was the church of Corinth that really struggled with this battle. In the first century, there was this belief system that said that 
as long as, you know, and basically this is what it said. You can write this down. As long as my physical life is in order, everything else was okay. So it said basically what I do with my physical life matters, but what I do with my body does not. This was a kind of a dualistic approach in philosophy. In Corinth specifically, Corinth was a very popular city. Trade routes and, and, and lots of, uh, of, of merchants and, and lots of business went through Corinth. As a matter of fact, Corinth was a fairly rich city. There were a lot of wealthy people that lived in Corinth. And in first century Corinth, in the church, there were wealthy people as well. But one of the things that wealth does, there's a lot of good things, but one of the things that wealth does is wealth brings opportunity for depravity. You have way more opportunities to do lots of things you should not do when you have lots of money. And in first century Corinth, there were a lot of people who had a lot of money and they struggled with this philosophy of, you know, so long as I'm, you know, so long as I say Jesus is Lord and there's a God and he rose from the dead, then it really doesn't matter what I do with my physical body. So, Paul has to write a series of, it ended up being about four different letters to Corinth to correct several philosophical and theological problems they had in the church. (laughs) So if you read 1 Corinthians, and I would encourage you to do that, one of the things you'll see throughout the book of 1 Corinthians is Paul speaking about the importance of of, of handling your physical body well. Um, Now, I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20 in just a second. But I want to give you the context of the verse so you understand how powerful Paul's instruction really was to the uh, Corinthian church. In first century Corinth, there were all kinds of pagan temples set up to pagan false gods. And there was temple worship that took place. But one of the deep depravity events, or, or one of the deeply depraved things that went on in, the first century, in first century Corinth, at these pagan temples, is that they had male and female prostitutes there that you could go and you know, connect yourself sexually with. I mean, that was a major, major problem in first century Corinth. Now, to the Corinthian people that weren't Christ followers, no big deal. That was just a service available. But this, this practice crept its way into the church so, so much so that Paul has to address the Corinths, Corinth, uh, Corinthian believers about this practice. And so he says, look, you shouldn't unite yourself with these temple prostitutes because you become one with them. So this is the context in which Paul writes 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. So notice the verses. You can turn there and just look on the screen this morning. Notice the verses. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. This actually was earth-shattering, groundbreaking new theology that, that, that the church was trying to wrestle with. What Paul just said here in this passage of Scripture is that God no longer just resides outside, but now God, through the Holy Spirit, resides inside of the life of the believer. Now, we understand that to mean that when a person gives their life to Christ, when they surrender to Christ, accept his his lordship and believe him as Messiah, when they do that, that, that the presence of God through the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in terms of their spiritual life, in terms of their soul. But hear me. The soul of humanity, the soul, your soul, my soul, it resides in the physical body. That's why Paul says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, this concept is powerful. It's revolutionary. For a Jewish believer, this was almost too much to believe. 
Because for a Jew, God had resided in other places before. In the Old Testament, for instance, God resided in that portable place called the tabernacle that went with Jews everywhere. That was God's dwelling place on earth. And then once, God, once the nation of Israel was established as a nation, they had actual geographical boundaries. There was a temple that was built, and God dwelt in the Holy of Holies. Now, Paul comes along and says, God is no longer in the tabernacle or the temple. You are the temple. And then he says these incredible words in verse number 20. You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your body. Because because God purchased you through Jesus, because the Spirit of God dwells within the life of the believer, you are purchased and therefore you should honor God, not just with your spirit, but with your physical body. And that begs a question, doesn't it? How do I honor God with my body? If that's the goal of a believer, then how do I do that? If you're writing things down, I want to give you like the answer, and then I want to work that out with you for the next couple of minutes. How do I honor God with my body? By doing what God designed for it to do. In the way he designed for it to be done. Um, I think you know this about yourself, but just in case you don't, I need you to know this morning that you are specifically and specially designed and, 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 and I, you know, I know there's a great debate in our society today about how long it took for all that to happen and, you know, did it come from natural processes and all that kind of stuff. But here's the bottom line. Humanity is incredibly unique. It's amazing. You are specifically and specially designed by a creator. And the creator, the designer, had a purpose in creating you. And it would be very important that we understand our uniqueness in terms of our creation. Have you ever thought about your physical body? <laughs> you're, you're, God, God did such an amazing job with your physical body that he created autopilot for you. Do you know how amazing that is? Like, you don't have to think about breathing. You just breathe. You don't think about having to have your heart beat. It just beats, right? You also have autocorrective features within you, right? When you get a cut, you don't have to come up with some solution to heal that cut. The inside of your body just starts, you know, scabbing over so it'll heal that cut. If you have a disease enter your body, I know we have modern medicine and that's great, but your physical body on, you know, autocorrect just starts correcting all that stuff that's wrong on the inside. <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's pretty impressive. You are uniquely made in the image of God. And the way that you and I can honor God with our bodies is by using our bodies to do what God intended for them to do in the way that God intended for, the, for it to be done. But then that begs the next question, doesn't it? Well, what, what does that even look like? How do I know what that's supposed to be? This is why I love the Bible so much. Because God, after he creates humanity in its uniqueness and its specialness and with such great um, purpose... God then records for us in what we call the Old Testament, the Bible, exactly what we were designed to do. Actually, today, after you leave here, you can no longer say, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing with my body. It will be impossible because you're going to see in Scripture exactly what God designed the physical body to be doing. To see that, you have to go all the way back to the very beginning. 
in the book of Genesis. Many of you know this, but the book of Genesis is called Genesis because Genesis means beginnings or origins. What you see in the book of Genesis is basically the beginning of a whole lot of stuff. The beginning of the universe, the beginning of life, the beginning of sin, the beginning of a covenant with God, many, many beginnings, the beginning of a nation of Israel, and many, many other beginnings. And so in Genesis chapter 1, God does us a huge favor. He doesn't just create us, but he actually comes to walk among us and say, hey, by the way, this is what you're supposed to be doing. All right, so I want to show you in Genesis chapter 1, verses 28, 29, and 30, what we should be doing with our physical bodies. I think, I think you're going to like this. I think you are. Watch. In verse number 28, this is the way Moses, we believe Moses wrote Genesis, starts the conversation after God creates humanity. Verse number 28, God blessed them. Before I go any further, I, I, I think it's possible that someone in the room today showed up and maybe the only reason you showed up today was to hear what I'm about to say about this part of the verse. Before I give you the details about what God said for us to be doing with our bodies, we all need to embrace some reality about what God stated about our physical bodies before he gave us something to do. God, before he lists out the to-do list for our physical bodies, said about Adam, said about creation, said about humanity, I bless you. Now, this word from Hebrew to Greek to English loses a little bit in translation, but basically means that God spoke favorably over humanity, over the physical body. All right, there's some ladies in the room, and you need to hear this, and this is why you showed up for church today. There's some women in the room You need to understand about your physical body that God has spoken favorably over the physical creation called your body. Some of you look at yourself in the mirror and you see every imperfection in your physical life. You can see everything wrong with you. And so when you wake up in the course of the day and when you're getting ready, your day starts having to see what you see as not good. And I think it would be a great, great thing for all the people at Solace Church and for every believer to understand that when you look at yourself in the mirror, there may be imperfections, but God blessed the physical body. He blesses you in the morning. He gave you the physical body. And it may not be perfect, but he has called out a blessing over you. And so when you look at yourself in the mirror, you see every imperfection. Why don't you start seeing, instead of every wrong thing, why don't you start looking at yourself and saying, God has blessed me. Totally change the way you start your day. And fellas, this may be like three of you in the room because for the most part, when guys look at themselves in the mirror, they're like, that's not bad. (laughs) Not bad. But for the the few of you who really struggle with this and self-image, when you look at yourself, man, maybe this would be for you as well, that God would just, that God would want you to know that he has blessed you. And then he goes on to say this. And God said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves along the ground. Verse 29, he goes on to say this. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. Then finally, he says this in verse 30. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. Now, there's a couple of things along the way in this passage of Scripture, and there is more to unpack all the way into chapter 2. So we're not going to complete the understanding of what God has called humanity to do today. 
But in terms of the physical body, there were, there were three specific things in this text that we see that God instructed humanity to be doing. I want to give them to you this morning. I've highlighted them, but let's unpack them for just a minute. The first thing we see that God gave humanity to do was to be fruitful, and we call that procreation or sex. God, when he looked at, when he looked at humanity, made them male and female, and he, and, he, and he instructed them in terms of the physical body to procreate, to fill the earth, to populate the earth. Remember, God had made them good, and he had blessed them. And God did not want to restrict humanity to just two people or, you know, there's scientific discussions about this, but a few people. He wanted the whole earth to be populated with us. And so he made sex, sex pleasurable so that we would procreate, so that we would fill the earth. And God made sex, and he called it good. But just like we learned last week, when God makes something good, sin always distorts it. Because God made sex to be between a man and a woman in a covenant relationship in marriage. And that's God's intended purpose for sex. But along comes humanity in our fallen state. And and just like humanity does, we always like to, 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 uh, to, to twist and change what God made for good. Here's the truth. We have a major problem with sexual purity. And I, listen, I'm not talking about society. Society does. I'm talking about inside the church. I don't know when the word virgin became like obsolete and weird, but it's a great word. Teenagers and 20-somethings, it's actually very good to save yourself until marriage because God designed that to happen in the, in the confines and context of a marriage relationship. Now, I'm going to unpack this even more when we do our series called Rules of Engagement, and I talk about how to date. We're going to talk about the whole order of how God established relationships to work. But hear me, we've messed this up. 20-somethings, young adults, we are stepping outside of the relationship of, 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 of marriage and we're engaging in sexual activity in ways we should not. And it's not just that. We've twisted this as well. A lot of us in the room, if we were being honest with ourselves, really struggle with sexual purity in terms of pornography. Today, there's some of us that if we were being honest, we're not honoring God in our physical bodies with the way we're engaging in sex. We're not sexually pure. And God created sex to be done in the confines of a marriage, and he called it good. And married couples should be having sex of a marriage, and he called it good. And married couples should be having sex. That's good. And that's where it belongs. So the first thing he calls us to, (laughs) isn't that amazing? The first thing he calls humanity to is to procreate. That's a good thing. But that's not the only thing. He's on to say in the text after this whole idea of procreation, be fruitful, he says that we should subdue the earth. An interesting translation. But the, the bottom line for the idea of subduing the, the, the earth is the idea of working it, of, of not just dominion. We'll talk about ruling over what God's entrusted to us in another week. But it's the idea of being pro, uh, product, productive. So I want you to think about the concept of production. One of the things God made humanity to do was to work, to be productive, to take the, the, the whole earth that he has given man and actually use it for something good, to produce something from it. Now, it's really interesting. If you look at the whole idea of production, sin really distorted what work was supposed to be in the beginning. 
Uh, Work was not hard before the fall. Uh, Work was something that man was designed to do and work came easy. But after the fall, one of the curses of the fall was that work would become difficult. So church, we need to embrace this reality that we will never get back to a place where work is easy, it's not going to be. As a matter of fact, God had to take, had actually take this idea of production and modify it just a bit so that we could function in a fallen world. And so I don't have time to unpack this all, but let me explain it to you quickly. Basically, when we, when we understand that we're made for production, it looks like this. This is the tempo or the pace of production. It's work, produce something. It's play, have fun and enjoy the earth. And then it's rest, take a break. And what God has made for good, church, we again have, have twisted and distorted. Let me tell you how. There's some people in the room right now in terms of production, in terms of work. There's some, there's some guys, there's some ladies in the room right now. You are not honoring God by the way you are working. And here's what I mean. Some of you are working so many hours and so hard that you, are, you have no time for anything else. And I know for some reason we believe that if we, if we say, you know, I worked 80 hours this week or 70 hours this week, that someone's going to say, man, you're, you know, you, you're, you're great. That's amazing. But let me just tell you this. Nowhere in Scripture does God say that working yourself to death is what he called you to. Some of you are not experiencing your best life later in your sex life because you, are, you, are, you, are, um, you, are, you have perverted or twisted that. And some of us aren't experiencing our best life later in terms of our work life because we are overworked. And some of us in the room, CEOs and salesmen and people who travel and people who are trying to climb that, you know, that ladder. Listen to me. You are working yourself so hard that you're not healthy. It's okay if you schedule a day off. It's okay if you schedule a day to go play golf or to hang out with your wife, even if it means you have to go shopping on that day, all right? It's okay to stop. You're not honoring God by the way that you're working. (laughs) Here's the truth. On the other side of that coin, some of you aren't working at all and you need to get to work. Some of you in the room, you need to be productive. You have not invested yourself in building something of value and you need to get busy working. God made you for work. Now, I know there's some of you this morning and maybe you had that car wreck or that event that caused you not to be able to work or maybe there's a handicap or physical limitation. I'm not talking about those people. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the vast majority of us in the room today. Some of you need to get busy and start working. It's possible there's some people in the room today, and I know this is going to be offensive, but I'm just going to say it. Some of you in the room today, you're not able to work as efficiently as you can because you've not kept your physical body in shape. And this is not a message today about working out and getting ripped, all right? I'm not, there's nowhere in Scripture that says a six-pack and these ripped chest muscles are more, you know, uh, uh, more godly than not, all right? A little bit of fat around here is just part of life. What I am saying, though, is if you can't be productive, then you need to take the initiative. You're not experiencing what God has for you if your physical body is limiting your ability to work. Come on, church. Let's get healthy so we can be productive. So work and play and rest. We see in the scripture also that God calls us to do one more incredible thing, which is to eat. (laughs) That's consumption. For some of you who are deep Bible scholars in the room, you would say, aha, Matt, listen, I I read that passage of scripture and I know what God said. God said that we're supposed to all be vegetarians. He said, I give you every green plant for food and that's what you're supposed to eat. (laughs) 
And I would say to you that before Genesis 3, that was true. But after Genesis 3, God modifies this a bit as well. Because when you see a conversation with Noah and vegetables to eat, he expands that into the animal kingdom as well. And then some of you would say, well, no, there's certain types of food that you shouldn't be eating because, you know, in the Old Testament, God said these are clean and these are unclean. But then we have the incredible New Testament where Peter sees a vision from God in the book of Acts and a blanket basically comes down with a lot of different food, clean and unclean, in Peter's eyes. And God said to Peter, eat. And Peter said, I'm not eating that, it's unclean. And God said, don't call unclean what I call clean. Therefore, making food across the board okay to eat. But why did God make food in the first place? Because we need it to be healthy. We need it to survive. We need the energy that comes from that. But just like humanity, we try to distort that and pervert that as well. Hear me. There's some of us in the room today. You're not experiencing all that God has for you. You're not experiencing the ordered life and the health that comes from ordering your life around eating correctly. You're not experiencing that because something's out of balance. Hear me. Some of you are self-medicating yourself by eating too much. Some of you are using that for therapy for yourself to to not deal with the problems that need to be dealt with. Some of you, quite honestly, have such an appetite that you just eat on full and you just keep stuffing yourself and you're miserable and you're gaining weight you shouldn't be gaining because of that. (laughs) Can our pastor really say that from the stage? Is that, is that, yeah. Come on, church, we gotta make some decisions to get ourselves ordered so that we're healthy, so that we look like we're supposed to look in terms of God's original purpose for us. And so, some of us are out of balance here, and so some of us need to rethink what we're doing about consuming the right foods. And here's the truth, some of us are consuming stuff that should not go in our bodies at all. Some of us are consuming some some medicine, over-consuming some medicine that we shouldn't be consuming. Some of us are injecting some stuff into our bodies we shouldn't be injecting. Some of us are smoking some stuff and dipping some stuff that we shouldn't be consuming. God made food. God made consumption for health, and that's how we ought to see that as well. And so, (laughs) here, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 through 30 becomes the mirror into our own physical bodies. And as we look at it, we see ourselves as blessed, but we see this distorted picture of how we get off course along the way. And God's asking us to look it in the mirror again and see that he created us good, but ask this question, am I honoring God with the way I'm allowing my body to be used? And am I doing it the way God would have me to do it? Are you doing that? Are you honoring God? And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something today. You know, I'm, I'm really, really proud of, of a lady in our church, actually a couple in our church, Brett and Brooke Hunter. Uh, Brooke, several years ago, made it a courageous decision. She found herself in, in, a, in a period of time in her own life where she felt like, and these are her words, she felt like God was saying to her, you're not honoring me with your body. And Brooke has been courageous enough to share a little bit of her story about some decisions she made to reorder her life so that she could begin in her own mind and how God was speaking to her to begin to honor God with her body. And I want to share her story with you for the next couple of minutes. Watch this. I'm Brooke Hunter, and I am married to Brett Hunter. We have two boys, Isaac, who is almost eight, and Jacob, who's four and a half. And this is my story. I've struggled with... Uh, my weight most of my life uh, more specifically noticed in about fourth grade that I was taller and heavier than most others and began um, feeling self-conscious and um, uncomfortable in my own skin and that 
lasted through junior high, high school, um, and the most, like I said, most part of my life. And before getting married, um, lasted through junior high, high school, um, in the most, like I said, most part of my life. And before getting married, um, of course, as every woman wants to feel and look as beautiful as possible, I decided to go the route of diet pills or felt that I looked, you know, the best that I could um, and that I wanted to for um, my wedding. Um, I continued to struggle um, through probably about the first six months of marriage of just not feeling comfortable in my own skin and I had a really hard time understanding how my husband Brett loved me and he chose to marry me the way I looked and it was it was a big mental um, battle with me of um, going through that and there was a point where I looked in the mirror one day and it was towards the end uh, or middle of January of 03 and I was disgusted with what I saw in the mirror. I was tired of feeling self-conscious and uncomfortable. My niece had taken a picture of me sitting on Brett's lap. And when I saw it, I almost burst into tears to see that that's what I had become. So I made a decision at that point that I was no longer going to feel that way or look that way. Um, so I decided to join Weight Watchers and um, Brett was very supportive of that. And so I went to meetings each week and slowly began to um, lose weight. Not as fast as I wanted. I mean, I wanted a quick fix. I wanted to, you know, overnight feel and look completely different. And it hadn't taken me that, I mean, it taken my whole life to get to that point. And so obviously it was gonna take time to um, set new eating habits and began working out to achieve the goals that I set for myself. So along the journey, um, after Brett set new eating habits and began working out to achieve the goals that I set for myself. So along the journey, um, after Brett and I got married, he had started gaining weight and he had gained about 25 to 30 pounds. I asked him, um, or actually told him, I will do whatever you want if you will come on this journey with me and lose weight. What took me a year to lose 50 pounds, he lost it in like four months. And honestly, <laughs> I wanted to punch him in the face. I was, <laughs> you know, just flabbergasted that he, it took only four months to do what eventually would take me, you know, a year to lose. Um, I had lost the weight and through that, you know, was pregnant with Isaac and gained 48 pounds and then lost it again through exercise and just a commitment to eating healthy and then again got pregnant with Jacob and gained 38 pounds then again went through that process of you know the exercise and the eating right and but through that like I never knew that I had the capability and the discipline in me to carry out this weight loss journey and really stick with it I mean don't get me wrong, there were definitely times where I wanted to give up and I just wanted to eat everything in sight. But then getting back on and really just leaning on God for like, God, I need strength to do this because I'm battling mentally and physically um, to where I'm still mentally in the mode of 
I'm the overweight girl, um, you're the self-conscious girl. And, um, you know, and God really brought me through that and the support of my family and my husband um, really helped me through that. So I learned through the process that quick fixes um, didn't work or wouldn't work and that I would need to make um, the choices and decisions daily um, to eat right and to exercise. So I understood that I had to make a decision that this would be a lifelong journey and not an immediate fix. Church, let's celebrate Brooke and Brett for that decision. That's great. Awesome. It's great. <clears throat> here's the truth as we, as, we, as we close today. Here's the deal. There's someone in the room today. God brought you here because he wants to take you on a journey of transformation as well. Your best life is ahead of you. As you order your life and begin to use your physical body to honor God, God is going to take you on a journey of healing in so many different ways. And I want you to be courageous enough to make the decision. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes today? Hey, this is Pastor Matt Blair. Thank you so much for taking time to check out our podcast today at solacechurch.com. You know, we realize that it's possible, as you listen to this message today, that God may have spoken to your heart about something. So if you made any kind of spiritual decision, we would love to know about that. You can email us at info at and let us know what happened in your life today. Once again, thank you so much for taking time to check out this podcast.